Hallelujah. Amen. That's the joy of our hearts too. Believe we'll be in that number. Amen. I made reservations there. Amen. I got a new body waiting there. We're going to go marching in. It's the promise of God. I just wanted to take a moment today as we just um, begin this part of the service. It's already been mentioned about our brother Claude Sigmund um, passing away. Brother Claude and his wife, Sister Diana, they came to sojourn with us ah, probably a year and a half ago. They came uh, here without any fanfare, very quietly, moving here from Washington and took their place in the house of God. And last Thursday, Brother Claude quietly went home to be with the Lord. And he made it clear during our hospital visits that he was ready to go and uh, wanted to go to his heavenly home. That was his desire, and God granted that. But we want to thank the Lord for the life and the testimony that Brother Claude had. I understand the, some years ago now, God came and gloriously saved him and delivered him and just changed his life. And we're glad for a testimony. You know, I, I look out and see young people and a lot of our, well, many of our young people are gone this weekend and our ministry team's away and different ones are gone here and there and so we're a little bit smaller number this morning. But when I look out and I just see and I, I think what this message produces, the kind of families it produces, the kind of men it produces, women, marriages, homes, what is produced by this? Taking a man like Brother Claude that was a, a, a sinner didn't know the Lord and bring him to have his own experience and deliver him. And I believe it was in one service I was told of, or Brother Biscoe just called him out and said, Brother Claude, you know, I don't remember the words, but I'll just put it my own. Today's the end of your cigarettes and brought him up and had prayer for him. And God gloriously delivered him. You know, he's that kind of God that takes sin and darkness out of our lives and redeems us by his blood. We can't live here forever. We wasn't designed to live here forever. God said, okay, if you're making this choice, going into sin, and you're going to be birthed into temporal bodies, I'm going to make sure it's temporary because you're not going to live like this forever. And this is, when you look at your, your own flesh today and you just realize it's only a temporary home and the preparations you're making right now is for an eternal home. There are things that are to be. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. That place is more than a mansion with a gold knob and Oh, my beautiful, uh, exquisite palace. Oh, it's much more than that. Why? You could be an old arthritic king in a king's palace, crippled up, and 
unable to eat anything and grasping your last breath. What would that mean to us? But he said, I want to prepare a place for you. Through the new birth I'm giving you, I'm preparing you to be born into another body. So, you know, with us, there are three births. We birth first into this flesh. Then we're born again. That happens in the soul. And then we, one day, will be birthed into a new body. Death is only the birth pains of it, the struggles that men and women go through. You know, thankfully, Brother Claude didn't have to go through it long. I mean, came upon us kind of as a surprise, working there uh, as a side job there at Ace Hardware, walking 35 miles a week or so. I, you know, seemed to be doing well and thought he had a little allergy, checks in the ER from there to ICU and a week he's gone. He didn't have to linger long. Some people go through a lot, long, long birth pains to be born into another body. But God was gracious. He ended his time of suffering here. And we got to remember God's that kind of gracious God. It isn't that he snatches our loved ones away from us and just rips them out of our arms. No, he comes and takes them from the snares and the clutches of sickness and pain and death and sorrow. So let's just bow our heads for a moment as we remember Brother Claude and ask God's blessings upon his wife and family. He's got two children live up in Washington and Canada. May God bless them today as they think of their loss. But may they also make preparations to meet him in a better land. Lord, sometimes in life's journey, there's a little tear of sadness that comes maybe sometimes many tears we've all had our times of sorrow troubles this life is few days and full of troubles our brother Claude you let him make his three score and ten and there he is today a young man on the other side you went to prepare a place for him you received him to yourself. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the power of the blood of Jesus that cleanses a man from sin and washes him white as snow. And Lord, and then welcomes him into the kingdom as a son, as a child. Lord, we thank you for Brother Claude, his testimony, his love for you. And we'll always remember his smile and the greetings that he could give us the love that he shared with others I pray that you'll comfort his wife sister Diana and her children and encourage them today to make their plans to meet him in a better land I ask Lord that for us as we kind of just draw up the belt just a little tighter knowing Lord that that's the way it's going to be no matter how much faith and power and miracles and things that you do and you do them 
But yet even right until the end, there'll be a few that will go right, right on by the way of the grave only to come up in just a few minutes to go into the great resurrection and rapture. Until then, Lord, the cycle of death continues. And, but one day, Lord, it'll all be over and we look forward to that. Now I ask, Lord, you'll give us strength to press on the battle. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you. I want you to get ready to play that song. When the redeemed are gathering in, I want to sing at least several verses of that. Amen. Lord, I want to be in that number we sang a while ago, but we're also going to be with the redeemed that are gathering in. And there don't, won't be a service for Brother Claude um, except over in May. They'll have something private for him and his family um, at, at, at a later time. So uh, just remember them in prayer, but let's press on. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's think of the rapture this morning. Let's look away from this to the rapture. I am thinking of the rapture in our blessed home on high. sing that and I want you to just raise your voice loud and clear clear and strong we're the redeemed how many believe you're the redeemed amen well let's sing it like we're the redeemed all right 
Saints will sing redemption story with their voices clear and strong. When redeemed, come on now, a little louder. Everybody, then the angels all will listen for they cannot join that song. When redeemed, our gathering is. bridegroom call goes forth. Amen. We so looking forward to the gathering there in that other dimension. Amen. We may be speaking about some of that this morning, but let's, let's turn to Genesis 18 verse 10 for scripture reading. I'm going to continue the thought on the great commission and, and rapturing faith. We're going to read this scripture where he said, and I, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy son shall, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent which was behind him. I'm going to let you be seated. Be making your way over to Mark 16. I got a couple of more scripture readings to make here. But we'll look in the 15th verse there as we... Look here in the setting of the prophecy laying in Genesis. We saw God was standing there in dust that he had gathered and made himself a body. And now God appears to him. He actually eats while he's there. He's hungry. He eats. He is fed. His feet are washed. He is entertained. And, and so as he's there, he has a commission for Sarah to bring forth the promised son. And in this commission, he promises a return. And in this return, there has to be a change in her mortal body in order to receive this promised son. Or otherwise, a 90-year-old woman cannot bring forth this child. So she has to return back to being the bride that she was when she was married. A young, a young girl, but this time, not just change back young again, but the problem fixed, right? And God's not going to just change us back young again, but the sin question and every evidence of it will be gone. So now we look here um, again and we see God once more takes on human flesh. And here he is now born in a manger, he comes into his ministry. The Bible tells you it is the word made flesh. So he's God's spoken word, the original seed. He's made flesh. Again, it's the son of man. What do we mean by that? It is that God has come and wrapped himself in dust. And, and the flesh of a man. And God came in Christ that way. He was ever bit a man, yet he was God. And so the fullness of God, uh, of the Godhead bodily dwelt in him. Never said he dwelt in the Godhead. It says that the Godhead dwelt in him. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, 
he again is giving um, his parting words to um, the church and his final instructions that we have read from Mark 16, which is the great commission. Sarah receives a commission. Now, again, we have um, the disciples given a commission. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now we're going to go to the book of Revelation and we're going to see now again a mighty angel coming down from heaven. A mighty angel had come down from God out of heaven to wrap himself in flesh and he would appear to now um, uh, to Abraham and Sarah there at the tent. God, again, the pre-incarnate Christ, also known as the pillar of fire, the angel of the covenant, would wrap himself in human flesh, would appear to Sarah, uh, or, or now to the, excuse me, the disciples, and um, just as he had to Sarah and Abraham, except now it was God himself, the fullness of God manifests in flesh. Now in Revelation 10, we see again Christ coming down. This is not the physical return of Christ because it is one who puts his foot on the land and on the sea. So it's not a 1,800 foot tall Jesus with a big foot over here and a big foot over there, but it's a symbolic of what he is doing as he comes down. This time... I want you to understand he does not come like he did in the days of Sodom by gathering 16 elements and wrapping himself in flesh and, and walking and appearing to Sarah and Abraham. Neither does this time he come and, and form himself in the womb of a woman and, and, and wrap the dust around the, the spoken word seed and out comes uh, the son of God. But this time, the, the blood has so redeemed man and, and has cleansed man that God is now coming down in human flesh. And he will use now in this passage, he will come here in flesh, but he will use the vehicle of a son of man, not the son of man, a son of man, a prophet. And that prophet will will speak the voice of God, even as Jesus was the voice of God. And even as um, the, the angel standing, the angel of the Lord standing there to Sarah and Abraham was the voice of God. We would again in this last day hear from a prophet to whom the word of the Lord would come to. As I said, he would not be the son of man. He would be a son of man. That means he is a prophet. Or if we could say a son of man, it literally means um, a son of dust. And that God would again use the lips of a man to bring a message in the last day. But it would be the same angel, the same mighty angel, the pre-incarnate Christ 
that was there in the days of Abraham and then the incarnate Christ in the days when Jesus walked. Now the Holy Spirit coming, the same angel, the same pillar of fire, now speaking through a prophet in this last day. But I I want you to see that it doesn't end there that it continues on with the same angel, the mighty angel coming down with the open book and a people then giving voice to that. And actually they too are the manifestation of the son of man, Christ upon the earth. So as we would look now, the mighty angel does not leave. Amen. The mighty angel comes down to, uh, and when I say he doesn't leave, I mean he doesn't leave with a prophet coming. He, he actually comes down and he puts his feet, uh, feet on the land and the sea. This is all symbolic. Remember, even the Bible tells you that Christ is the head of the church, but his church is his body and that every devil is under your feet. So if you notice then the cloud is, or even the cloud in 1963, it didn't show a body. It showed a head in the heavens because God has a body on earth. And it is through that body that he has taken possession and holding down the powers of hell. The, the beast that rises up out of the land where there is no people that has rose up. There's a power that rises up out of America where there was not, not a populous people. And over here, another beast has risen up out of the sea, which is multitudes and, and kindreds and tongues and people, which is Rome. And so the feet are, are now placed on both of these because of the blood of Jesus Christ And the opening of the book gives us authority over the devil. So I want you to, I want you to see by receiving the divine inheritance, it gives us authority over the devil. Now, so if you'll look with me in Revelation 10, 1, we're going to read this chapter. And again, herein lies the last commission now to the church as it comes. And we are also commissioned. Now, and and, uh, and Revelation 10 and 1, and I saw another mighty angel. Now, this could only be Christ. He is the angel of the covenant because he is clothed with a cloud, a rainbow, the full covenant. The sign of the covenant is upon his head. His face is as it were the sun. So his countenance is now, uh, is the fullness of the word coming and his feet as pillars of fire. And remember, who are his feet? Amen. Even if you're just the skin on his feet, every devil is beneath you. Amen. And notice he had in his hand a little book open. In in Revelation 5, it was closed, but the lamb had taken the book. Now, the lamb didn't need the book. As Almighty God, he had the book. So he comes forth now and he takes the book out of him that sat on the throne because he comes as a lamb. Now, God's not wants to make you understand there's not two gods there are neither two persons of God there because God or the person of God is not a lamb. The lamb represents 
represents Christ in his redeeming work. So he has seven horns and seven eyes. He's a very strange looking lamb. Nothing there like this has ever been seen on the earth because it is symbolic of the Christ who will redeem a people through seven ages, which represent the seven horns with seven seers, which are seven prophets of God. Amen. Now, these will be messengers of God as spoke of in the book of Revelation. So now, as we look at it here, it is Christ, his face is, his countenance, his face is as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. This is, he's not veiled, he's not closed off. Amen, he's, nothing is hidden. Everything is coming forth. This is the fullness of his glory, his word now coming. And as the word comes, it's going to come to a prophet. Watch. And he said, he had in his hand a little book open. He said his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the earth. And he cried or he shouts with a loud voice. So let's understand now this is the shout of his coming. We always speak of the coming of the Lord and many denominational people believe that it happens in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. We do not believe that. We believe our change takes place in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. But we believe the coming of the Lord is a process. There has to come the restoration of the word in order to produce a bride because he can't marry the whore He can't marry her daughters and there's nothing bound of him. So therefore there has to be a word brought that will create a bride calling her out from all the world to himself. Amen. So there again, as we're looking at it, he cries or he shouts with a loud voice as when a lion roared. This is the king speaking. This is a voice of authority. And when he, when he cried, so when he shouts during his message, seven thunders utter their voices. Now, John is watching all of this. He is seeing a scene since he has been caught up in Revelation 4. He has already seen the seven church ages. And he has seen the seven cities representing seven churches and seven stars in the hand of Jehovah, which represents seven messengers. Now he is looking here and, the, and he's caught up in Revelation 4 and he sees a throne. One sits on the throne. He sees the scenes of the throne. Revelation 5 breaks it and he sees now the scene changes as it comes into redemption because here there was God who held the book. This was the book that Adam lost. Adam once had the right to eternal life. All right? But because of sin, he lost his inheritance. Satan's dirty hands couldn't take it. Amen. So it went back in the hands of Almighty God as a question document until there could be a man come to take the book. 
Now, that man could not be William Branham. The man could not be John Wesley. The, John, the man could not be the Apostle Paul. The, the man could not be Isaiah or Jeremiah or Elijah or Enoch. There is no man that was worthy. Every man had been born in sin, shaping iniquity, come in the world, speaking lies, and none of them could take that book. No man was worthy to even look on the book. But now in Revelation 10, by that time, something has happened. A man has come in possession of the book because it screamed out, is any man worthy in Revelation 5? So now it was looking for a worthy man and out of the midst of the throne came a lamb. This lamb represents God coming as a man to be the sacrifice to pay for man's sin and he was the only one worthy to take the book. Now, when he takes the book, remember, he is not taking it for himself. He was never lost. But he's taking it as a man for man. And in Revelation 10, once he has opened the book, and then he comes down with the open book to deliver it to the people. That's why we're preaching on the people of the book. Now, I don't know if you can fully grasp where we're living at, but we are in a very awesome moment in time. Now, when he shouts, he shouts with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he cried or shouted, seven thunders uttered their voice. So when this message is going forth, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, what is a thunder? A thunder is when God says something and he doesn't want it known yet. Because it's for another age and for another time. All right? But it's the voice of God. But we don't know what it said. So we can go back to the days of Daniel and we can look back up in the, in the, and on the handwriting on the wall. Many, many tickle you farson. God said something. Nobody knows what it means. The, the magicians come out. God said something. We don't know what it means. Everybody's guessing. Well, we think it means this, and we think it means that. We've had it for 2,000 years. Scholars, books written until you can line the theology halls with books that would probably go around the world of men's ideas until we have created over 40,000 different denominations. And none of them are right. Not one of them. Not one of them. And no theologian had to write because it doesn't ever come to theologians. Amos 3 and 7 says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing except he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. 
So now we have it here where that, that, that again, we know it will have to be a prophet that will reveal it. So this is what they came to and that day said, yeah, well, you know, all of you are guessing, but let's bring the prophet on the scene. There's Daniel. Call him up. Daniel comes up and he says, here's what it means. Now it weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. So now we have the interpretation. You see, before we just had a mysterious writing that nobody understood. But now when the prophet comes, we now understand what was once mysterious is now revealed. Are you with me now? So again, we have here the same thing. Something uttered. We have no idea what it is. So again, we have in there when, as it does, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, verse four, I was about to write. John said, I was going to write what was said. And he said, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. Seven thunders, seven seals. Seven sealed up mysteries that are not going to be made known. Now, John, you can't tell it. This has something to do with the end time people. It has something to do with my coming. And I'm going to hold it mysterious. I'm going to hold it mysterious because if I let you know, and this is why I'm writing this book of Revelation, I'm not writing it in parables or symbols as seven churches and seven stars and seven angels and, you know, seven golden candlesticks, all these symbolic things. It's parabolic and nobody understands it. You see, because it wasn't for them to know. It is not their book. It is your book. Hallelujah. It is when God unveils himself and he says, now, if I let them know in the first age that it's going to be seven ages later or 2,000 years, then nobody will be ready. You know, you know how men are. Oh, the Lord's not coming to win uh, 2000 after 2023. Well, no need to evangelize. No need to get in a hurry. No need to get the gospel out. No need to fulfill the Great Commission. No need. We got a lot of time. What even happened in our generation? Nobody would have died ready. But God held that as secret. Because he wanted Paul expecting, and, and he left them expecting, even though he gets a revelation of the rapture, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice, and the trump, and all of this, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and comfort one another with these words, and, and you, know, you, know, you know, don't, don't sorrow as far as them that are asleep. And he says, you know, we which are alive and remain, we nothing. God held that secret to him. I'm not going to let you know, Paul, when I'm coming back because there are more in the book than you. And I've got to wait and I've got to intercede until the last one's name is dipped in blood. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Roger, he couldn't have come 10 years ago. Amen. He had to wait till your name was dipped in blood. Amen. You see, he's been, it's been waiting on you to arrive. And finally, the last ones, the last names on the book are manifested on the earth. And when it does, God says, okay, in that age, I'm going to make it known. So, he says, seal up those things, the thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel, which I saw stand on the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever. You know, this is language that, same thing that happened in Abraham's day. God lifted up his hand and swore with an oath concerning the seed that was coming. And so God does the same thing. He swears by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heavens and earth, the things that therein are, the earth, the things that therein are, the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. That doesn't mean we throw our wristwatch away, that we pull the clock off the wall, that we no longer use the calendar. That means that there, that, that I'm making a promise that there will come a time, there will come a day when there will be no more delay of holding back this promise. I swear I'm not going to leave it like this forever. But I'm going to bring it down to an end time people who will know their God, who will do exploits. So he comes down and he says, and then he explains why. He said, it won't be always delayed, but now remember, but is, uh, is an incomplete sentence, but, but I'm going to town. What? But I'm going home. But. Michael's a pretty good guy. You wonder what I said about him before that, don't you? Amen? There was something said before that. What was said? What was said? They said, there's coming a time this will not be delayed. Hold it up. Don't write it. Seal it up. There's seven seals that's got to be revealed. Nobody knows them. It's written in symbols. There's a white horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse, all of this. And nobody knows what to mean. Everybody's guessing. Theologians are writing books about it, but nobody knows. And it's going to remain that way, you know. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. As he has declared to his servants, the prophets. So God has declared there's coming, there's a time when the seventh angel sounds, the mystery will be finished. So he doesn't leave it there 
that we remain in this state forever. There actually comes a time where there is a people to whom the seven thunders are revealed. What God said that he didn't want other ages to know. So he says in verse 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book. Now the one who heard from heaven was the angel. Said, go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the, the sea and the earth. And I went to the angel, and I said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it up and eat it. Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I'd eaten, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, and tongues. Notice the last commission. And it's the same as the first commission. The first commission was going to all the world. The last commission says it, you must prophesy again. Go into all the world and preach. This one says, Preach it. Demonstrate it. Before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, we spoke last Sunday of the coming of the Son of Man, the pre-incarnate Christ to Sarah to fulfill the great commission given to Abraham, which had not been done. Abraham at this time has a son. It is Ishmael. But the bondswoman child did not fulfill it, nor could he ever fulfill it. And neither has denominations fulfilled the great commission and the promised son, which comes at the end. That promised son has not come. Even today, we are looking for that promised son to come back. Is that right? The coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, as of 1965, at the end of Brother Brandon's ministry, he was still saying the Great Commission had not been fulfilled and all scriptures must be fulfilled. We are living in a very, a very tumultuous time. We are as it, as it was in the days of Noah and we are as it was in the days of Sodom. So we have the evil of all ages now coming in together. The one that would be drowned by water, the other that would be, by, that would be destroyed by fire. And sin has magnified itself and heaped up against this generation. Both of these times were when God destroyed, as we said, one by water, the other by fire. And both times there were a people saved. Amen. Before the destruction in Noah's day, Enoch was raptured. He was the seventh from Adam. We are here now like Enoch, the seventh from the second Adam. So he, again, we in the seventh age is when God takes a people in a rapture. 
And, and of course, Noah was a type of the 144,000 who were sealed in, passing through the judgment waters into the millennium. Remember, the, the foolish virgin, uh, the Gentile remnant, they go through the tribulation, they die, but they wait until the thousand years is finished to be resurrected. And at white throne judgment, they are given life. But, but the Jews will be there in the millennium with us at 144,000 because they are the remnant of the bride, the leftover of the Old Testament. And so in the days of Sodom, we also see Lot was saved from fire. He was a righteous man, he was, which is a type of tribulation saints. And Abraham, who was who the angel stayed with, revealing the mysteries and giving the promise of the coming son. If you'll notice in the days of, of Abraham, the promised son was promised. In the days of Enoch, he had a message. How many knows what that message was? In the book of Jude said that, that Enoch said, the Lord cometh with 10,000s of his saints. So Enoch's message was the coming of the Lord. Amen, amen. The message to Abraham was the coming of the promised son. Our message, come on, is the message of the coming son. The rapture of the church. So here we are following and fulfilling all prophecy, all scripture that has been prophesied of this last day. Now, wake your neighbor up because I don't like speaking to sleeping virgins. Let's get together and understand, you know, God's trying to impart some things to you today. This is for you. This, this could not be preached in Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal churches. This is only for the bride. If you're not interested, then maybe you're identifying who you are. But let me just say, again, you know, uh, again, where we're at in, the, in time, you know, we, we, we see it was there before the burning of Sodom that Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, she received strength to bring forth a child because she had received the message of the angel and she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, it is that body-changing strength that we're needing today. Amen. Amen. A faith for the rapture. Amen. Oh, yes, that's what we need today. You can just look over at your neighbor and, and say, I, and just admit it, I need rapture and faith. Amen. I, I have the faith to be saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But I need faith for my body change. Now, in the message countdown, Brother Branham is praying. He said, Father, so many things could be said right here. Maybe the church wouldn't understand, but I pray that you'll give them such a crave for it, Lord. And that's my prayer for you today, too. Give us a crave for it. That they'll come and see we're at the end time, the astronaut age. I pray, Father, that they'll realize it isn't trying to condemn what they had. It's only to give them more rapture and grace for the hour will come when we'll have to have rapture power. Not only to heal the body, but to change it in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and Christ will be so real in their bodies. 
until he can change it by his death, by his great death, what he purchased. Think of that. Christ being so real in your mortal body until he can change it. The change, the change is going to take place from the inside out. The same Holy Ghost, just a fresh baptism of it. Hallelujah. You ought to be looking at your own experience today and saying, God, give me a progression in my walk. Let me be like Enoch that I come up to the point of of crossing the dimensions between earth and heaven to where I'm translated in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. It was a progressive walk. And you got to look at your own walk as a progression and have a crave, have a crave for this word. A desire, a burning desire that's a bit to me, God, according to your word. Somebody's going to fulfill this. May today he said that this token, hold it before them. And walk into this astronaut, granted father, where visions and powers and worlds beyond known and God where all the seven mysteries is unfolded and those seven seals is made known to man. Now, so again, he said, again, he said, let them walk into this astronaut. Well, let them walk into Christ. Let, let them progress into Christ. Let them move. Let them have such a craving to leave this world. Brother Branham would preach in things that are to be. He said, you're craving things here. Mama would have to give up this and quit that and whatever because there was a baby being formed in her womb. And, he, and, he, and she had cravings because it was needed for the forming of that body. I'm telling you, church, that theophany is calling you this morning. And there should be a craving down on the inside of you. Amen. Give up the world. Give up sin. Give up darkness. Let it all go. Crave the right things. Desire God with all your heart. Search with everything. Look in the scripture to see what's been prophesied of you. It's too late to be playing games. This is for real. This is your hour. You're the Mary, you're the Sarah, you're the Enoch. Come on, that's who you are. You're the fulfillment of scripture and now it's your hour and now it's your time and this is now your day of visitation. This is where the Son of Man is stepping into flesh and you ought to be saying, God, here's my body. Sanctify me. Cleanse me and move into my body. Let the Christ that would reveal the word, the Christ that would discern the heart, the Christ that could transform sinners into saints, let him come and be revealed in this flesh. I don't know. We're living in a very treacherous time. And I feel a very warning down in our hearts It's not an hour to play church. It's not an hour to get cold and starchy. It's not an hour. It's not an hour to just just be a church member. It's time you move in. It's time you move in with all your heart. 
That's why we call on you, you know, worship God, whether you are, or whether in the front or all the way to the back. Let's get in one accord. Let's create an atmosphere. Let's see the Holy Spirit step into, step into lives. The mighty angel come down into you. We need the mighty angel to step down in us to give us power over the cancer in Ron Spencer's life, cancer in Erica Parker's life. Amen, the cancers in people's lives and hearts and dysfunctional families and every other thing. Come on, church. Amen, we need the Son of Man to step into us. Let his voice be heard. Amen, let there be a prophesying again. Yeah, it prophesied in the prophets. Yes, it prophesied in William Branham, but it's your time to speak it. Let us step into this astronaut where visions and powers, worlds beyond, worlds known, and oh God, where these great mysteries of God is unfolded in those seven seals and made known to man. I just pray, God, give us a reality of what you've done in this hour and are doing. Now, we have been challenged to believe. Brother Branham would, would challenge us, he says, in the trial, I challenge you. Are you okay, is there a people that, will, that can step up to that challenge? I mean, he was challenging Sarah to believe. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Yeah, I understand the insurmountable things that you can't change. I understand you can't make yourself young again. You can't have milk veins again. You can't have the womb again. And you've always had this problem. But I challenge you to believe. I challenge you to believe that you, a 90-year-old woman, when it's impossible, that you can receive body-changing faith. I'm telling you, church, it wasn't Sarah. It was rapturing grace that was coming to her. That's what we need this morning, and that's what God's poured out in this day is rapturing favor. When you were a sinner, when you were lost, when you had nothing to do with it, God sent a message, and God in his grace is imparting faith to a people to believe. And Brother Branham says, I challenge you. I challenge you to believe that Jesus Christ is revealed in the form of Son of Man in human flesh through the bride's body. You can believe it was done through the prophet's body. You can believe that it was done through Sarah's body. You can believe it's done through Abraham. You can believe it's done in Jesus. Well, don't you know that to have a wife, then that Christ has got to be manifested in bride form? There has to be a people in his image, a super race as he nears him, a super church with a super anointing, with a perfect faith. With someone, with a people like Sarah, 
who quit, quit looking at their own symptoms, their own problems, their own limitations, their own failures, and they judge him faithful who made the promise. Amen. Listen, church, you better. Somebody's going to do it. Look where we are in time. I mean, look at the evils in the land. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at Noah's day. Look at the calamities everywhere. Look where we are. And somebody's got to be judging him and say, but God, you're a faithful God. You're a faithful God. You said you'd have a bride. She would be without spot or wrinkle. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you'll even do it with me. I know it'll take great grace. But Lord, you provided grace in Enoch's day. You provided grace in Sarah's day. You provided grace for Mary. You can provide that grace for me. I need that favor. Divine favor and grace. It ain't going to be even because of you. It's going to be because of him. Amen. Amen. I just recognized you. God bless you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord today with us. A sister, a sister that great grace came down upon her life and delivered her from an awful serpent bite. Hallelujah. Amen. God is rich in mercy. What a great God we serve. Amen. God given faith in this day and hour to cast Satan out so a daughter of God could be delivered. Where is that mighty angel? Where is that son of man today? He's present to empower Sarah, crown her with a perfect faith for a perfect rapture. Not just a faith, but a perfect faith. People have had faith down through the ages, but you're required a perfect faith. Brother Branham would preach a sermon, perfect faith. Watch what he said. Now he appeared to us in the same form as he did to them in the Old Testament. And in the same as he did in the New Testament. And it showed by the same word, the same Christ. And I declare to you that Christ is the Holy Ghost. That word Christ means the anointed one. And just a person that is anointed, that's the Christ, the anointed one. How many knows that's true? That's the, that's the interpret, the anointed one, that there would be a man that would be anointed, anointed by what? The Bible said in Acts 2 that Jesus and Nazareth, a man approved of God, anointed by the Holy Ghost, went about and done great works and things. See, that God manifested, proved that he, that he is in this man, and we become anointed with that same spirit. Anointed Messiahs. Messiahs of this last day to shine forth the resurrection of Jesus Christ to show that he's not dead, but he's in the form of the Holy Ghost and he is in his people moving among his bride with a love affair to her, pouring out 
into her himself and they're becoming one for the wedding supper and the great same signs promised by the same God in the same word is making his same manifestation and there's nothing left for us to do but believe it. Hallelujah. Nothing left for you to do but just believe it. God said, I'm going to do this. Amen. That's his grace upon you. I feel to tell you, sister, that grace is still upon you this morning. That grace that delivered you is that same grace that will meet your needs as you come in this house this morning and answer the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Anointed Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me, and that same Spirit is upon his bride. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. As God promised Sarah restoration, Necessary to bring forth Isaac, so God has sent a spirit and he used dust, human flesh, to bring us a message. He could have chose the stars, the sun, the moon, he could, but he chose men to bring his word through. Sending a prophet, for that's who the word comes through. God chose to gift him, to vindicate him first. First he sent with gifts to prove he's from God. And then, and then the, the, the first was healing. The second phase of his ministry was prophesying, discerning in the thoughts and intents of heart. You know, as, and, and I'm talking about the messenger of Malachi 4 now, Brother Branham, the, the seventh angel, God sent a prophet. First to vindicate him with healing. And then after that healing, discernment. Amen. Amen. Discerning the hearts. <laughs> God still does that. He still does that. He knows exactly how to do that. He still discerned the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me just say this little sister was in the, in the floor. She'd been, went, went from church to church, one needing deliverance there. A demon spirit had her bound. And, and there in youth camp, she wallowed on the floor. But God gave a word that delivered her. And she's still delivered. Still set free. Amen. Why? Because of saints son of man. He's still working in his church. The mighty angel that casts out devils, that speaks with new tongues, that heals the sick. He's still the same God manifesting himself in bride form. Let me go back over this one more time. I don't know how much of this message I'll get through. Maybe a part three to it. It's already went totally different than what I thought. I never expected to go through and break down every part of Revelation 10 and all of that for you. But just following the, the leadership of the Spirit of God to let it direct to you so you will catch it. 
to give you a crave for it, a hunger for it. This message there is revealing. It's Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Where? In bright form. God and his people. Notice when he would, as I said, he could choose the stars, the moon, the sun, but he chose men to bring his word through. God would, in this day, use a prophet. And he would choose to gift him, to vindicate him first with signs that he was sent from God. In fact, the matter is, Gordon Lindsay would write the book, A Man Sent from God. They criticized Brother Branham, the same people now, and say, oh, he made himself a prophet and he made himself John the Baptist. No, they said he was a man sent from God. It was their prophets that rose up and spoke in tongues and interpreted and said this, uh, that this ministry was a ministry to forerun the second coming of Christ. As John the Baptist. So, well, Brother Branham made himself Elijah. No, even the Pentecostal prophets declared he was Elijah. Even Gordon Lindsay said he's a, like John, a man sent from God. Came in the spirit and the power of Elias. The first was healing. Second phase of his ministry was prophesying discerning the thoughts and into his heart thousands upon thousands of times and never fail him. As in Sarah's day, the Lord stood there wrapped in dust. I can remember, and I'm really not that old. I'm one of these young people that stayed with me. I thought I'd be by myself. Thank you, boys, for staying home with me. No, I would have loved for you to be in the youth meeting. That would have been great but then I'd have had to go. (laughs) But in Sarah's day, the Lord stood there wrapped in dust. And as I said, I stood there as a young boy and seen that prophet turn around and call people out in the audience, saying as it was in the days of Sodom, until that there behind my back like it was when the angel stood there. The same angel is now here. He's using my flesh and my voice to speak to you. And that man there has this problem and that problem and that's his name and that's her name. What was it? It was God showing us a sign that the Son of Man was present, that the Word had come. And it was coming to a prophet. And he shows a sign to Sarah in the tent behind him. Where is Sarah? Calls her name. Where is Sarah, thy wife? In the tent. Well, this and this and this will I do. She'll have a son. She kind of chuckles there silently in her tent. He said, why did she laugh? She just laughed at what I said. And she denied it. No, I, I didn't laugh because she was afraid. The prophet of God said, God would have killed her right there for lying 
in the play in the face of Jehovah God actually calling him a liar, saying, No, I didn't laugh. And he said, Oh, yes, you did. You laughed, you know, and he said, you know, saying, Shall I, an old woman, have a child? <laughs> said that in her heart. And he said, You laughed in your heart, and he said, you know, but, but is there anything too hard for the Lord? Look, look, grace immediately overrode her unbelief. You talking about rapturing grace? Come on, church. Amen. When you fail to believe, when you stumble along the way, when God should strike your name off, he can't. Because you are part of Christ and he saw you in him before the foundation of the world and nothing, not even God can wipe your name off of the Lamb's book of life. Not one thing you did or could do could wipe you off of the Lamb's book of life. And even in your stumbles, even in your weakness, even in your failures, grace overrides it. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my, you realize it never was you seeking God. It was God seeking you. Every time it was God came looking for you. That's grace. Amen. When you didn't know how to look up and when you didn't know where to look, grace came down and found you. Yes, he saw you a sinner. Yes, he saw you with problems. Yes, he saw you with failure. But he loved you anyhow. And said, I called you and ordained you. Even when you were in your mother's womb, actually before the foundation of the world, I called you and ordained you to be a part of my bride. That's grace. And Sarah... In Sarah's day, the Lord stood there wrapped in dust. That's why we call him son of man. Man of dust. Stood before her. Tent. Called her name. Discerned the thoughts of her heart when she laughed at the words of the angel. And after discernment, God spoke to Abraham, showing him the mysteries. I want you to get this. Genesis 18, 17. I want to have this to emblazon your heart this morning. He comes and appears in this appearing. I want you to notice he preaches, he tells of a rapture or a body change of the promised son. And notice now what he says here. He says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? In other words, here I'm going to unveil the mysteries to him. I'm going to give him, I'm going to impart revelation to him. You see, it was more than just giving a promise. He was imparting the mysteries of God. Shall I hide from him the thing which I do? Oh, we're in the third phase of the prophet's ministry, which is the opening of the word. In the anointed ones of the end time, Brother Branham tells us, and he says this in several parts, 
He said the message speaks of his message, not when I started out in the divine healing, but when I began to declare, when he began to declare his message. You see the first pull, healing. Second pull, prophesying. Third pull, opening of the word. The mysteries revealed. No more, there's no more higher order than to reveal the word than prophets. And the only way a prophet can be vindicated is by the word. And remember, the third pull was the opening of them seven seals to reveal the hidden truths that's been sealed in the word. So let's catch it for a minute. Just make sure nobody misses. Brother Branham calls it third pull, first pull, second pull. What's he talking about? He'd had a vision. He'd had a vision there of him fishing in a, in a, in a, a, a big, beautiful, clear lake. In there, he saw rainbow trout, great big trophy ones. Rainbow, remember, it's a symbolic vision. It's a vision of symbols. He's fishing, which represents his ministry. He's making cast to catch, which is preaching the word. And as he is doing it there, he sees fish there that, that he, he wants to catch. He said, you know, there was, he looked around and there was a bunch of ministers and they were catching little bitty fish. But he said, I, I wanted to catch that covenant people, the people of the covenant, the fish of the covenant. I, I wanted to catch them. I wanted to get that trophy. You know, every age has wanted to bring the trophy. Amen. And Luther caught a little fish. Wasn't grown up yet. Wesley caught up a little fish. It wasn't grown up yet. But he said, I want those that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, that, that trophy people, that people that will be the bride that were at Pentecost and showing the full colors of the rainbow. I want them to have every bit of the word and power. Amen. And I want to catch that. That's what I want to catch. Let that be the trophy of my ministry. And the angel comes and says, let me teach you how to fish. And he says, he said, what you do, he said, is cast way out into the deep. He said, now you make that first little pull and he said, that will attract little fish, lots of little fish. And that was what his first ministry did. You talk about entertaining. It was entertaining to see blind eyes open, cripples walk. Hey, you'd run, you'd, you'd sleep out under your car to watch all of that. Get be in there first, get on the first pew, you wouldn't give it up. You'd get you a sandwich and sit there day and night. They did. It's quite entertaining. It got a lot of little fish. But it didn't produce the covenant people. Amen. So again, you know, it had a lot of people that came and it was big crowds. Well, you know, big crowds, big money. That's what the evangelists would later find out. Or Robertson and all of them, you know, they say, well, we know when it's time. It wasn't Robertson said this, but one of them would say, you know, we know when it's, when it's time for us to leave a city. Said when we've taken up the offerings and then finally we stood them up on their head and, and pulled them up and down and shook them till all the chains fell out of their pockets, then we knew it was time to move on to the next one. 
It became about numbers and money. And God says, I'm going to give you a greater gift. And one day in Regina, Canada, he had seen it by a vision before. There come a person walks up to him, and this time instead of the sign in the hand, he knew her name, knew her address, knew where she was from, what her trouble was. There was nothing hidden. Now it was discerning. And you know what the results was? There were fewer people ministered to. So you know what? Second poll, he said, would scatter them. And it did. His meetings got smaller. There were fewer people came. They would still have him because of his signed gift to show discernment. It was a great thing, but, you know, because there were less miracles and less people ministered to, there was less healings. So fewer people started coming. You know, fewer people were coming. Now, I'm just going to say, if that Listen, when I was there in 65, Brother Brandon still had the sign in his hand. He could still take somebody with his left hand and them there by, by their hand, give me that hand right there, and hold it there, and there on his, on his hand would go bumps that would start moving if there was a, uh, if there was a, a germ disease in there, it would start moving little white bumps and he could tell by the way that it moved in the rapid and the distance what kind of disease it was. That sign was still there. What am I telling you? He still had the ability to go back to the first sign with more people, more money, bigger crowds, come on, greater popularity, but he kept showing this other sign of discernment. And Brother Brandon said himself, I wondered why this sign was greater than the first sign because the angel of God said it was greater. Why was this and greater? He said, you know, then the wheelchairs emptying out and, and all the sick people being here. Why was this a greater sign when there was less people ministered to and less miracles? Because he said it was a sign that the Son of Man, Christ, Himself, the word was present. And God was given witness. Come on, church. Given witness that the same one that stood there in the day of Peter and said, your name is Cephas. You're the son of Jonas. I'm going to call you Peter. Amen. Call these, the, the, the others, call the woman at the well when she'd leave her pots after being told that, uh, of her life. All these other days, listen, discern the heart. What was it? It was shown as the ministry of Christ was repeating again for a former reign to come as a teaching reign to bring back the word to us. And he said, I wondered why that was great. Now, let me tell you. If this would have been A.A. Allen, he'd have heard, or Oral Roberts, he'd have went back to that first gift in heartbeat. Because it was all about 
If you ever watched Oral, it was all about the man of the hour. If you ever watch Alan, men got into spears they didn't even belong in until they become drunks and alcoholics. And here, God sent a prophet and all these impersonators follow. All Roberts would go forth and plant the seeds of Pentecostalism until there is 0.6 billion of them today. But he said, the third pull was the opening of them seven seals to reveal the hidden truths that's been sealed in the word. The third pull was the opening of the word, the mysteries revealed. It would be that which would catch. It would be that hook that would catch the covenant people. So Brother Branham, you know, went out and, and, and in the vision, you remember what happened? You know, he, he cast out and the angel said, don't tell nobody what you're doing. And they come along and they pat him on the back and the minister said, Brother Branham, ain't no better, no, nobody a fisherman like you are. You're the greatest, this and that. Pat him on the back and said, you can do it, Brother Branham. And, and he got excited and, and made the pull when he wasn't supposed to. He caught a little fish like the rest of them. But he was told, the third pull will catch the covenant people. The third phase of his ministry, which is rejected. The one, the phase, the phases they love. Oh my goodness, gifted man. Oh, you know, anointed of God, healings and miracles and signs and wonders. And then that discernment, no, there's, it's never been, never been one like it. And listen, it hadn't been in a continuous ministry since the days of Christ. I don't mean that there wasn't a man that every once in a while would get a word of knowledge or something and know something about somebody or, you know, and, and, uh, and something spoke, but over and 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 over again. Continuous ministry to show us, to vindicate us, the word was here. Now, so the third pull, he said, is the third phase or the third part of his ministry would be the opening of the word, the opening of those seven seals. It would be that that would catch the elect, the covenant people. And perfect faith, Brother Branham says, this is coming to that third pull. I went through all that to explain about the three pulls. That's the part that we're in today. We are in the third phase of Brother Branham's ministry where the word has been opened to a bride people. This is, this is coming into that third pull. I believe in it. I want to ask you a sincere question. You that passed through the prayer line, can you actually believe and feel like that now there's something happening in you since hands were laid on you? Raise your hands. That's what we waited for. This is just starting to bloom now. It's just starting to bloom. I did this for a purpose. I'm working out something that's taking this charge of faith and going right back to begin and come in and to kind of raise faith in a bracket where you've never noticed it before that way. Not a faith, but a perfect faith. Notice what the opening of the word is to produce. A 
not just a faith, but a perfect faith. And he said, uh, built it up in here. What's a perfect God with a perfect heart, with a, keep a perfect promise by a perfect word, which is sharper than a two-edged sword and a discerner of the thoughts and intents heart. We're coming now to perfection because the people has to come to this in order for rapture. That's what's holding it away right now is waiting for that church to come into that perfect raptured faith. And it means a lot of shaking down for me. It means a lot for you. But together we'll make it by the grace of God. I just say, God, shake me. Shake every bit of unbelief out. Every bit of darkness. Everything that ain't like you. Shake it out of me, Lord. Amen. Until that there resides within me a perfect faith. Amen, because people has to come to this in order for a rapture. Now, this is the purpose I did it. He said, it's taken this charge of faith to raise faith in a bracket where you never noticed it that way before. Not a faith, but a perfect faith. You see, the word has come to empower us. The word has come to bring us back to faith again. This is what it would come to Sarah where Sarah would be asked, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And then she would judge him faithful that made the promise. You see, it came the message of the son of man was coming to turn her heart back to believing again. So our commission is to cast out devils, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will make serpents powerless. The poison that Satan has used against you, he will render harmless. Hallelujah, take that down in your heart to this morning. The poison that he has designed against you, that he's been waiting to bite you, and you have been bitten by it. I want you to know the poison that Satan uses against you will be rendered powerless. Hallelujah, fulfilling the scripture. No weapon that has been formed against you shall prosper. No matter what the devil is trying to do for you to you, no matter how you were born, no matter what your past, no matter what your situation, the poison that has been against you will be rendered powerless because we are under a great commission. Remember, I ended on this last Sunday where that when the apostles followed his first commission, he said, I beheld Satan let lightning fall from heaven. Luke 10, 18. Put that up there. Luke 10, 18. I beheld. Do you know that this is not the only time that a people is going to behold Satan falling from heaven? Jesus said, when they come back, he said, the devils are subject to us. We cast them out in your name. Come on, this is still under the blood of bulls and goats by the commission gave by Jesus. How much more now the blood of Jesus Christ takes away every sin and you stand justified. You never did it in the first place. 
And God's thinking before the world began. Listen, and he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Do you know it's prophesied in Revelation 12 that Satan again will fall from heaven. In fact, of the matter, he will be cast out of heaven. The Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Hold that scripture up for me. Right there, just keep that. Against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. King James doesn't always do us a favor. It is translated that word heavenly places every other time. So he said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. What does that mean? That means that every time you start to take your position as a son or daughter of God, Satan is there to oppose you. Oh, Brother Tim, I got prayed for. I ain't gonna get prayed for again. I'll tell you that, the devil's been fighting me. Well, brother, we started the battle when we prayed for you. As long as you were just happy to live with that devil, come on. Amen, it didn't matter, but brother, the moment that we began praying, Satan had to move and roll out of his bed to deal with you. Come on, because you were coming before the throne of grace and you were demanding your rights as a child of God. My rights is healing. My rights is salvation. My rights is salvation for my children. My rights. My redemptive rights. Jesus, you paid for it. So the moment you start moving, do you ever, do you ever notice them, those prime ministers of Israel, they can get along just fine. I mean, yeah, there'll be a few skirmishes and fusses and this and that and the other. But let them head toward Temple Mount. Let one of them dare walk on Temple Mount. Every Arab will come out of the woodworks screaming, yelling, violence, rioting, tearing down, disrupting. Don't you dare. You Jews have no right to this holy place. And it is their rights. And I want you to know the devil does the same thing to you. Every time you move toward your position of sonship, the devil comes along to oppose you and say, he sinned, he did this, he did that, he did another. He made that mistake. Come on, you know that. Every time the devil comes to you with one bombarding you here and there, you have no right to this healing. You have no right to your children. Don't know you know how many mistakes you made with him. You have no rights. And he'll howl and he'll scream and he'll yell. The moment you start stepping on a promise, you start moving up in your position in Christ and taking your place of sonship, every devil in hell goes to howling. Trying to buffalo you into, into, into thinking you can't have that. 
Amen. They did this. They did that. You know, they're the accuser of the brethren. By the way, they're not all lies either. They're things you really did. And he's coming and accusing you and saying you have no right because of what you did. But Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. He's our attorney. Amen. And his blood intercedes for us. Are you with me? Amen. And he interceding on your behalf. Amen. To save you from the accuser of the brother and said, let all their sins be on me. Let them go free. They're sons of God. They're daughters of God. They have a right to healing. They have a right to miracles. They have a right to divine healing. Whatever it is, they have a right to it. This is his first commission. In his last commission, go with me to Revelation 12. I could preach, I could preach a whole nother sermon on this. You go in Revelation 12, there's a woman Israel clothed with the sun. That's the gospel ahead of her. She's about to bring forth a man child, the moon's the law, which is a shadow of things that comes under her feet. Upon her head are 12 stars, which are the 12 patriarchs. She being with child, she's expecting Jesus to come. She cries, travailing with birth, in birth and pain to be delivered. Verse three, now there appears another wonder in heaven. And it's behold a great red dragon and he's got seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third parts of the stars of heaven. He's a deceiver. Brother Branham would always say about this that it wasn't his T-A-I-L, it was a T-A-L-E that he told. The tale he told angels and the tale he told Eve and the tale he tells you. And notice what he says. His tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven to cast him to the earth. And the dragon stood before them, the woman which was ready to be delivered for devour her child as soon as he was born. And she brought forth a man child, that was Jesus Christ, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. This is the millennium. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So you see, God took him from here, took him to his throne, there was a rapture that took place. And the woman goes into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand and two hundred and three score days. If you would look right here in Revelation, here from, from Revelation 5 to Revelation verse 6, 12 and 6, from that period in there to the beginning of the end in there is 2,000 years of Gentiles. Because from the rapture of Christ to where the woman is seen again is when that she's in a wilderness when God recognizes Israel as a nation. And they feed her there three and a half years. 
So there's three and a half years left to the Jews. Now follow this along the line. And there was war in heaven. Now, scene turns back to heaven. This is our day. Because I just told you that Jesus said, have you ever, have you ever noticed when a big thunderstorm comes through and tornadoes and what? Do you know what? It's heavens. And they're having a battle there. The big cold front will come from this way and the warm front here and they'll meet in a, in a common battleground and there'll be lightning and thunders and ferocious winds and tornadoes and, and everything else. I mean, the heavens will be on fire until one of them wins. And the Bible tells you, and there was war in heaven. Michael, which is who is like Jehovah, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. Now, there is a war that starts in heaven. Amen. Listen, we're coming back again. I saw, I saw lightning. Satan follows lightning from heaven. When devils were cast out. Now in the end time, there's to be a war in the heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels. Amen. Amen. Come on, brother. Hallelujah. Are you ready for this? Amen. And prevail not. Hallelujah. The script is already wrote as to who's going to win. You are not losers, little children. You are the winners. Hallelujah. Because he prevailed not. Thus saith the Lord. The devil that's against you will not win. Hallelujah. I don't care how much noise, how much lightning, how much disturbance, how much he disturbs the wind, how much he creates atmosphere and tornadoes and terrorism. He will not win. I don't care how long you've been in a battle. I don't care how hard it's raised. He will not win. He prevails not. Hallelujah. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because he has no right to stay there in your position. When sons of God appeared before before Job, before God in the days of Job, Satan appeared there among them. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. When when there's in Zechariah's day, when when the when the when the when, when the Satan there appeared and, he, and there was an anointed priest that would stand there, Satan came among them. Hallelujah. But I want you to understand, in this place, Satan gets cast out. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Somebody ought to shout about that. Because the devil don't belong there. You belong there. He has no right to stand there and say anything against you and the blood of Jesus Christ has canceled every sin. And there, you, in your, every bit of the evidence is gone. 
prevailed not and neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Next verse. And the great dragon was cast out. Amen. Not you, because you got a right to be there. And that old serpent, oh yeah, that old serpent, let's call him what he is. The old ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this is when the dynamics will come, satanic dynamics will come to the mechanics that are already set in place for the mark of the beast. But it's not for you to worry about. Because as Satan comes down, you are going up. You are not a part of the fallen world. (laughs) You are part of the ascending bride. Did you get that? A rapture is an ascension. Come on, you go back to the days of Enoch and he built a pyramid. That pyramid was called the place of ascension. Enoch didn't build it for a graveyard. He built it for a place to ascend. That when the capstone comes, there would come a people who would match the coming Christ and would ascend. And it's a place to ascend from. But the pharaohs and denominational men make it into a graveyard full of dead men's bones. But we're coming back to a place where the pyramid has been cleansed from the creeds of man and it is now again a place of ascension. And we're not down here in the base, we're all the way up at the top where the, the, the final stones match the coming stone and the same ministry that that, that, that coming stone had, this, this bride has the same ministry and they match together. And when she does, all the dead in Christ from seven ages all down to the pyramid will rise from the seven ages. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world, and he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation. Well, you know salvation was 2,000 years ago when Jesus died. But now here comes complete and total salvation because this is the redemption of our bodies. Now is come salvation and strength. Oh, Sarah, didn't what you need? Strength and the kingdom of our God, the full power of the Holy Ghost, the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. Hallelujah, God is shutting the mouth of your accuser. Look at the next verse now. And they overcame him. Now we understand who's been fighting this battle. It was not angels after all. Angelic battles became human battles. And he said, and they overcame him. No blood was ever shed for an angel. So it was you that it was shed for. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives to him to death. Next verse. Therefore rejoice you heavens. Oh my. What a day of rejoicing that will be. 
Let the musicians come. What a day of rejoicing. Play that song when we all get to heaven. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. That's us. This is the raptured saints. Oh, my goodness. You think we get happy here? Wait till we wear our new clothes. heavens and you that dwell in them but woe to the inhabitants of the earth for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth he has but three and a half years to do his damage his time's over hallelujah hallelujah did you see that the devil has an expiration date on him amen come on Amen. The devil has an expiration date over. But I've been looking at you all morning. And I don't see an expiration date on you. I do see where your sickness is going to expire. The trouble that you've had is going to expire. Come on, the problems you've had in your life is going to expire. But there's no expiration date on you. You are the redeemed of God, eternal. Call of God for this age. I saw lightning come down from heaven. Luke 10, 19. Behold, look, look. The book is open to you. It's even more than it was to them. Look, I give you power. Wherever you put your feet, your possession to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and worship in just a moment. Just raise your hands and say thank you. I am redeemed. I've been called. I've been ordained for this age and this time. It's been written of me. Hallelujah. It's already written. I'm winning this battle. Hallelujah. That depression can't always hold you. It's an expiration date on it. A trouble in your life, your home, your marriage is an expiration date on it. That mental condition, that anxiety, there's an expiration date on it. Why don't we just read that expiration date? Let's look at it. Sunday, March 19th, 2023. It's expired. The moment you start believing, it's expired. The moment you say, yes, Lord, it's my promise, it's expired. Right now, it's your moment, it's your time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give me verse 1. 